The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. You look good. Uh, I don't know. You got better pecs than me. I don't know. I mean, look at Big Phil. Big Phil. Ahmed looks. Ahmed looks unsure. So the, Ahmed's body's Phil not good. Surprised. So they're like, let's put him behind. Yeah, that's right, baby. What's up? It's episode three hundred one of Chris Sims Unbuttoned, presented by Under Armour. We got a Monday podcast. Ahmed Farid uh-huh. is here, and I mean, I know your body's good. It's all right. Don't worry. I mean, we you it's know okay. you, you weren't quite up to par with the rest of us, so we didn't want to show you so. know your pecs and abs <laughs> compared to us. Really. So if you're just listening, yes. we showed a picture. It was our three hundredth podcast. Right. Congratulations to us, yes, and to you guys too for listening enough to where that where we can keep doing Wait, this. Yeah, right. Um, but they showed a picture of us. What what was that movie from? Three hundred. Uh, okay, right. it's a movie. Can you yes? Can you Sorry. see that movie? I, we all had our shirts off, right. and I was hiding behind you. Right. I had the look on my face as though I didn't know. It was the day that we were taking our shirts off, right? And so I wasn't. I didn't have my. Body yeah, prepared. you had the look on your face. You're like, it was like like 300. You're like, wait, there's 300 of us, and we're gonna fight how many of these guys? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you actually should see that movie. Is okay? it a good one? It is a good movie. It's you know, it's uh, it's not, Sparta. Okay, it's not a long movie. It's very action packed. It's like an old fable about how 300 Sparta soldiers, warriors, right? You know, right. stop this king from. You and know, I went to Sparta High them. School. I went to Sparta High School in Michigan. Yeah, you well, okay, so, so I should. You should, in light of your school mascot and, and everything. And you know, side note to yeah. inflate my own ego even more. Yeah, I'm being inducted into the Sparta oh. Notable Person Hall of Fame wow. in November. Wow, hello, Sparta Notable Person. Nice to meet you. Because I've done 300 of these podcasts. Wow, now, yep, that's or a what good got chunk you. of that's them. That's what'll get you into the Hall of Fame at high school. So this is three oh two. We've go, we've come like I was it, thinking oh, you're about right. it. It is three oh two. It's three oh two now. One about Florio, I don't count his podcast. This is three oh two now. Yeah. This is pretty uh, like day one when we first started this. I yeah. didn't know you. You right. didn't know me. Right. We would have never thought we'd get to 300, right? I was like, this won't last. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I figured the way they had me signed up, I was like, nah, I think they got no choice. It's going to have to last <laughs> for a while. But uh, it, it is amazing how quickly it's all gone. And I, I still feel like it was yesterday where I was like butching your name and so nervous to say it. It was crazy. Because I was like, I can't say this right. And it was all in my head. But here we are. And uh, now we're talking ball. We're in a groove. Now we're talking ball. We're in a groove. We got damn okay. Self-scout thyself. Give me the headlines. We're going through every game from Sunday. It is our pledge to you guys. We start with the bigger games, the bigger stories that have more to talk about. And as we go, we get to the Detroit Lions. That's just the way it goes. And that's the way it will be (laughs) from now until uh, eternity. Uh, So let's get into it. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Our first game we're going to start with is Cowboys- uh, defeat the Patriots Ooh. 35-29 in overtime. There's so much to talk about. 
uh, with this game. I mean, Dallas is just. I think. Let's start start here. You know, yeah. of all the of all the surprising teams, I think Arizona's up there. We'll talk about them pretty soon. But Dallas, in the way that they have played, the yes. way their defense has played, the right. way that Dak has played coming back from that gruesome injury, one hundred percent. I don't know. They might be the most surprising team in football. I, I don't disagree with you there. I think it's one of the like. Yeah, woe stories of the NFL season for sure. I mean, especially when you just look at it now, five and one, and you go, holy cow, they had a chance to upset the Bucks and beat them in that game in week one. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and again, we didn't know what to expect from them at that, that point. But uh, yeah, thoroughly impressed. You know, um, complimentary football, but, but when it goes back into it, I think the biggest thing you just look at and, and the, the takeaway from the game yesterday is, of course, just their eliteness on the offensive side of the ball. And this is a conversation I've had a lot over the years. It's just when you're elite at something, it forces a team to play a way they don't want to play. And, you know, when you hear comments from Bill Belichick during the game going, like, if we don't win on first down, they're going to score 45 points on us. Hmm. Like, if, we, if they're in second and four and second and five, which Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott are amazing at as far as getting their offense always in the right play, the right position, they're extremely patient with the run. That's where they're really, to me, a dangerous football team. They start off every game going, no, no, we're good up front. You're going to have to come down here and, block and, and see if you can take on our run game. And then when we see you have some success doing doing that, then we'll start throwing the football and trying to dice you up that way. I mean, Dallas is just special that way. And really, you know, the game 35-29, overtime, everything like that. I mean, hey, the, the Patriots made some plays early on, but that was one of those games where you looked up and you went, wait, New England's winning 14-7? to yeah. New England's <laughs> winning 14-10? to Because, of course, it was Dallas. I, I looked at it more as Dallas mistakes. For sure, uh, and and leaving, letting New England hang in the game, especially early on. Dak fumbled at yeah. the one, right? Uh, they missed a fourth and in the one on the first zone, series, right. missed fourth down, right. so there were some missteps for Dallas. Exactly they could right. have scored even more here, and, yeah. and yet they did score thirty-five. And That's Dak Prescott crazy. threw for four hundred and forty-five yards, most ever versus a Bill Belichick Patriots team. So Justin Sanders says, "How much credit does Kellen Moore get?" for the Cowboys' dominant offense. He is one of the better play callers, or or is he one of the better play callers, or are the weapons just too much for defense? No, he's a, really, he's a really good play caller. I don't sit there and watch their games and go, oh my gosh, these are unbelievable concepts and ideas, but I sit there and go... Like, okay, they got everything. I'm not always amazed with the creativity, but everything they do makes sense, and they tie it together. They have a lot of different ways to run the ball, and off of that they have play-action passes that look similar to that. And then their drop-back pass game has everything you want, too. You know, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, I think it's one of the five most creative drop-back pass games in football. No, but it's up there. It's in that conversation. And then I think with the ability to run and the talent as to the question, that makes it that much more dangerous. Dak gets them in the right play every time. So they execute. They got talent. They got physical brutality up front to where they can really expose you that way. And I think that's that's what makes them so dangerous. You know, I said last week, hey, yeah, Kellen Moore, great. We know the weapons are great. To me, with Joe Philbin, doing with the offensive line too that's the thing that jumps out to me on a weekly basis I watch Mm. them and go man that was cool how they blocked that run Ooh, look at that they pulled the backside guard and the backside tackle oh they pulled both guards on this play and then of course they can do inside outside zone so with that they keep you tons of pressure Ahmed on the offensive side of the ball because you're always oh my gosh what are we going to defend it's runs it's screens it's tight end you got to worry about the tight ends the receivers all that and then on the defensive side of the ball they force the issue too they do they don't sit back and go we'll die a slow death 
You know, they've taken that approach of like, we're going to get our offense back on the field and we're not going to give you anything. Yeah, we might make a mistake here and there, but nothing's going to be given to you. And I think that's what I respect about the Dallas Cowboys. It does make it easier when you have an offense like that. You can feel like, all right, if we give up a big play, we give up a big play, which you were kind of vindicated in Trayvon Diggs when we talked about him last Monday. That's what he does a little bit. Because when you said he gives up a play as much as he makes a play, there are a lot of people in the comments. Yeah, who didn't like that. They're like, oh, he doesn't give up. His numbers look pretty good. He hasn't given up that many big plays. Uh, We saw it on back-to-back plays late in the game. Huge interception. Right. Um, Saw the route, was there, needed the tipped pass, but got it and made the play and and scored the touchdown. No doubt. Coverage is tight. I mean, he's there. It's, It's a tough play to defend with the position he's put in. They ask him a lot of them. My point about him last weekend was not about to try to like downplay him to the listeners out there. It was that he was not Deion Sanders. Exactly, yet. he's not Darrell Revis, Deion yeah. Sanders, Akib Talib, where you just go, oh, you put him on an island against anybody, and it's shutdown time. No, he's not there yet, but still phenomenal. I mean, what he's doing is absolutely insane. Got beat on that seventy-five-yard touchdown to Kendrick Bourne. It looked like he kind of tried to undercut. The route, yeah. knowing he had safety help. Exactly. And so I, don't, I don't know exactly what The safety what happened. was really the problem. I yeah. know Trevon Diggs, after the game, took the high road and made like the right quotes. He like, did. it's my guy. He did. I should be there. But, you know, it, it is a double move. He was trailing, of course. I mean, gosh, he's covering a guy that runs 4-5 and knows where he's going, and if he does Mac it. If Mack it a little bit, he's got another pick. Oh, if Mack underthrows it, he's got a pick. And if the safety takes the right angle... Again, I, I think if we put that into one of the better ball-hawking safeties in football, I'd go, well, 8 out of 10, they're going to be interceptions right there. Yeah. I mean, it was just a bad angle altogether. And I think where, where the double move happened, and it wasn't like it was way outside the numbers, right? It was kind of up the seam a little bit to where, you know, of course, he protected the boundary, the double move happened, and he's trailing, like you said, he's ready to undercut. And he's also thinking, wait, the ball's kind of towards the middle of the field. My safety should be there. Uh, but, yeah, that kind of sums him up a little bit. Pick six, yeah. let up a big play. But that's the way the Cowboys play. And I think it's the right approach that they do that on the defensive side of the ball, Amin. And, and as, for as many things that went well for the Cowboys in this game, yeah, it really did, and I kind of circled this on my sheet, it all came down to the response after that Kendrick Bourne touchdown. Yeah. Because, I mean, they needed to get a field goal there. They drove, they converted a fourth down, a great catch by Cedric Wilson. Got him into long field goal range. Connor Williams with a holding penalty on sportsmanlike kind of pushed him back. But then right after that, Dak, 24 yards to CeeDee Lamb. So without two huge plays there in the passing game, they don't win this game. The Patriots do, which I think shows how close the Patriots are. I I don't know. I don't know how to evaluate the Patriots right now. They're 2-4. and They're in second place in the AFC East. Congratulations to them ahead of the Jets and, and the Miami Dolphins. Um, they, they're in games, right? Yeah. They almost beat Brady. They no almost doubt. win this game, but they're ultimately not getting it done. No, they're ultimately not getting it done. You know, the one thing I think it's encouraging a little, we saw, did see some bigger plays from their team yesterday. They made some explosive plays where it wasn't, you know, every drive was, you know, like we've talked about 12 plays, 75 yards, 16 plays, 68 yards. Like, so that was refreshing. I mean, you know, ap- you know, they had the, the first drive of the game, or uh, am I got this right? Let's see. Or it was the, the first drive of the game was after the fourth and one stop, right? And that was two big runs right up the middle, ripped them off right away. And you went, oh, okay, well, watch out. Patriots O-line seems like they got it going a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's still too few and far between as far as just – 
you know, consistency. You know, we see guys running free at times, pass protection being blown. Of course, Mac Jones is not perfect at this point of his career. The blocked punt at one point. Yeah. Randy Gregory gets a strip sacks fumble. So that's where, again, the Patriots are just not the same animal in the fact of in those games they used to win it because you'd go, they are not really outplaying the team, but they didn't make a mistake and the other team did. But they made their share of mistakes, too, yeah. and that leads them to losing a close football Which game. Which is why I was a little surprised, and we'll talk about you know going for fourth down, because I feel like that is. We did talk about it last week. I'm really interested in it. Yeah. We saw it in this game in yeah. overtime. Uh, Patriots had it fourth and three about midfield, and they punted it. And they never got the ball back, and they lost. It's a tough decision. It is tough. But Bill, it seems like, has been in the past... Ahead of the curve, yeah, and kind of going for it and pushing the envelope right. and, and taking some risks. So I, I was a little surprised. Well, with that I think one. he's got a different. He's got a different offense. He's That's not true. dependable. He's a different quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think he also looks at it and goes, "Yeah, our defense is good, but this is a special offense we're playing. Like, if we give them the ball here, it's like one first down or two first downs, and the game's over. We're going to yeah. lose." So I, I had no problem with him punting the ball away there. I did not. We're, we're, I'm just trying to go back here. They were at the 46-yard line, right? Mm-hmm. Their own 46-yard line. They had a fourth and three. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, I think that's the right approach, especially when your offense is, you know, again, through the day, a little bit all over the place. Yeah, we had a three-play, 34-yard drive after the fourth and one miss by the Cowboys. Okay, great. Then, you know, Later in the quarter, they had a four-play 75-yard drive, and he had the, the pass to Hunter Henry for the touchdown. So yep. you're going, whoa, okay, they're rolling some big plays in this game. This is pretty good. But then there was nothing until the fourth quarter. I mean, nothing. They didn't really have any consistent drives at all or anything of that nature you know, for a long time until a fourth-quarter drive where they went on a 13-play 75-yard drive. So, uh, you know, I think that's where that comes into play a little bit, him just knowing his team a little bit, and I'm certainly not going to second-guess that decision. So last thing right here, Romo said at the end of the game on TV about the Joneses and how they've built this team. Right. They built a team that can win the whole thing. Yes. Do you agree with that? I do. I do agree with that. You know, look, listen, like if they get the Super Bowl, NFC Championship, they're not going to win games like 20-17. to I don't think so, not with this defense, but – I think you're going to see a game like like a little similar to the score we saw yesterday. It's it's going to be more of like, hey, the old adage of like defense wins championship. That shit's gone. That's it's 2021. Get the fuck out of here with that crap. It doesn't matter anymore. If your defense is just middle of the road, that's fine. You can win championships with the way the rules are set up and how good these guys are on the offensive side of the ball. So yes, with the way and the you know the other thing you have to take into account is even if their defense is overmatched, they have the ability to be like. Oh, let's slow it down and run the ball if it ever came to that. I don't think they're ever going to play that way. But, hey, Dallas, the Bucks, the Cardinals, and the Rams, who didn't play good football for two quarters and everybody's forgotten about them as, like, mm-hmm. the best team in football just because they lost to Arizona. Yeah. I mean, they're, all four of them are phenomenal football teams. And in the conversation, I think, with Buffalo for, you know, five best teams in football. What were the four you said? Uh, Rams, Bucks, Cowboys, yeah. Cardinals. Okay, all right. You know, and of course I, the Bills. I'm going to put the Bills as the number okay. one team in football right now, but it's not by much over those guys right a there. A team you left off that list and I was yeah. kind of surprised. Who am I missing? The Green Bay Packers. Oh, the Green Bay Packers are right up there with the two. No right. doubt about it. Thank you for keeping me straight there. And they beat the Bears 24-14. Yeah. yeah. Aaron Rodgers continues to own the Bears. He fucking owns them! He made it known. Yes. That's what he said. Yes. Right? I've owned you all my effing life. I own you. I still own Say you. It. Quote the guy properly. do do that. <laughs> <laughs> one day, well, I told this to Pete one right. time. One day, what we'll do is we'll do a swear a thon, a curse a thon, 
where we'll raise enough money for a charity that we choose, you yeah. know, a, a good cause. Okay. And at the end of that, at the end of that, for every uh, swear we get. Yes. No, well, no, no, not for every swear. Okay. No, not for every swear. I'll be screwed. I'm saying to get me to swear one time. Okay. It's like what amount will get me to swear oh, one time, we'll and then we'll bi- donate we'll bitters. That. We'll have bitters. I yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. I can stand behind. Kristen that. was thinking the same thing as you. That it would be as many as you could get in in one podcast. Right. And she goes in my ear. She goes, "Don't, don't, please don't do, don't that. do that. Please don't." So we won't do that. But don't. it will be uh, to get me to swear one time. Right, Kristen. We'll, if we do that, like it'll be one of those things where we'll get the green light from NBC, where you don't have to bleep the uh, f words and we'd, all that. Yeah, we'd because, clear it ahead of time. Yeah. See, we'd, she's okay with that. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll put we'll say Pete said it was okay. We'll go. Pete said it was okay to not yeah. believe it today yeah good and then cause. We'll, we'll put fuck shit cock balls <laughs> okay <laughs> that's a long beep right there just do that all the whole way through you don't even know that movie either that's uh the, what is that it's the great movie no it's not oh it's not old, old school, school he does do it it is no it is he does do that with you but it's also from the movie the the gigolo uh with um rob Ryan, uh male gigolo male deuce bigolo deuce bigolo male gigolo, male gigolo. He has the woman with the condition who has like a Tourette's, Tourette's. right? Okay, and she would throw out. I those. think I do kind of remember. Kind of remember that? Yes. Okay, so I was quoting a movie. I wasn't totally going. Okay, down so crazy Kristen, film. you don't need to bleep that. He was, it was quoting a, quote. a movie. It's fine. It's yeah, totally it's, ethical. It's, it's fine. All right, um, <laughs> back all right. to business. <laughs> back, to, <laughs> back to the Packers beating the Bears. Uh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was good again. Do we have that? So here, oh, he's good again. He he uh, he owns he owns them. Twenty two and five, fifty seven career touchdown passes. Uh, 12 interceptions. Although I don't think that's that dissimilar than most teams he's probably played in his uh, in not. his career. I mean, he wasn't like it wasn't no. like oh Aaron Rodgers is no. winning this game. I think the bigger story here is that um, the run game controlled yeah. the game. Uh-huh. And I, I was thinking about it. Aaron Jones, uh, AJ Dillon. That's a pretty good one-two punch. A very. Good, I was like, I was like, who good. has a better one yeah. in the NFL? I was like, maybe Cleveland. Cleveland, right? when, yeah. when Hunt and uh, Chubb are both playing. Yeah. Uh, let me I was see. like Dallas, maybe. Dallas Zeke is up there, no doubt well, about but it. I still 100%. might put Jones up there, and Dylan ahead of them. I was like Minnesota with Cook, but they don't really use Cook and Madison together. They don't. That it's much. usually kind of one or the other. You're exactly right. I, I think the number one is still the guys in Cleveland, but sure. I think I think you're right that this is probably. You think this is two? No, it's three. I'm still going to give Zeke and Pollard the okay. the edge there, but uh, it's three. I think as I sit here and just look at it, I think it's clearly number three. I'm just trying to make sure I don't you miss give, anybody. So you give Aaron Rodgers the third best one-two punch of running backs in the NFL. That's a pretty good recipe. Well, that, that's where they're dangerous. Like they're, again, they they don't force the issue with a whole lot. The Green Bay is totally into. Wait, 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 wait there it's like a it's like a it's you know somebody who's playing a strategic board game it's like hey i just i'm doing what the game or the board tells me yeah. i'm not trying to like you know make up my own way here 15 and of 15 on passes of 10 or fewer air yards there you so like he he's just gonna go okay fine chicago you're gonna play too deep and put the pressure on your front to stop this front seven all right i'm not gonna be a stubborn asshole and try to throw 20 yard and 30 yard lasers into that we got a good old line we're gonna run the football and they're going to play it basic that way. And that's where I get – you know, every week I think I say with Green Bay, that's what I mean by their execution. They just never waste any plays or moments. Nor they have a great feel in where, in like in this game especially, hey, again, this is part of quarterbacking. I think he understood the big picture of the game. Their offense is not that great over there. Our defense is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't need to force the issue here early on in the game and let the Bears' defense win the game 
and put us in some hole because I just got a little impatient because we went three and out the first two drives of the game. And then you go, oh, I throw a stupid interception, and now you're, you're going, damn, now we're down 14 nothing to a good defense, and they know we're going to have to pass a little more. So I think he played the game the right way and was extremely patient that way. And then they find their groove and how they want to attack you and their, their list of plays of, oh, wait, if they're playing cover two and they're cover four, all right, so let's go to this list of plays. And that's where they're special that way, let alone, uh, as I'll say, and I say it again, like to your point with the running backs, they have a grit and toughness to me about them this year that I, I don't think they had the last two years. Hmm. The, to me, they have a little bit of like, a little bit of like uh, more of the just, oh, oh, you know, fuck you. You don't think we're going to be able to run it? We're going to run it still here. We can, we can still do it. We're not going to just let you like totally dictate to us at all times. Or we got to stop the run here in a big moment on the defensive side of the ball. They can do it that way too. Um, but yeah, it wasn't sexy. But when your defense plays that way, and the Bears only had two drives the whole game. It was the first drive of the game, and then they had the drive in the fourth quarter, and that was it. Uh, you know, I think he played it the right way against a very good Bears defense. It is funny. Since the 2008, the first year that Rodgers started, he has 11 wins at Soldier Field, the third most of any quarterback, including Bears quarterbacks since 2008. Jake Cutler and Mitchell Trubisky, the only ones with more wins at Soldier Field as a quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Um, what, what do you think about the new quarterback for the Bears, uh, Justin Fields? I, like, I saw the highlights of this one, and they exclude the bad plays, of course, when yeah. you're watching even right. extended highlights. So I didn't see maybe some of the missed throws. But overall, that's a pretty fun quarterback to watch who I, does a lot of things really well, it no seems No doubt. Like. I mean, you know, we saw his ability to run a few times. He can buy some time. Yep. He got a little screwed over on one of the interceptions where might have been an offsides on Green Bay. Then he buys time. He throws that deep post down the middle of the field, and Darnell Savage intercepts it. And Allen Robinson kind of stopped on him. I don't think he knew, like, does he want me to pull up? Does he want me to keep going? Can he throw it that far? And, of course, he can. Um, but I, I, I had no problem. Again, not that I broke that game down on film right. yet, but from what I saw on TV there yesterday, I didn't see, like, oh, man, egregiously missed throws or bad decisions for the most Strong part. Strong arm seems like already one of the better running I'm, quarterbacks I'm, I'm, in the I'm already NFL. feeling, as far as all the quarterbacks in my rankings, that yes. I'm the most wrong about him. I am. You know, I know I made him five and six to begin with, and that's the one I'm, I'm looking at. He just – to me, he's, he's, he's light years ahead of Trey Lance right now. He's just not as raw. He knows how to play yes. the position a little bit more rather than just being a great athlete who plays the position. And, yeah, you see that, and that's, that's what I like from him. And, of course, he knows how to handle himself and do everything else the right way too. Um, so the Bears, they uh, some good moments for them. They were in the game late until Rodgers uh, ran in for that touchdown and then owned them again, 24-14, the final score. Uh, so you were kind of self-scouting yourself a little bit there on Justin Fields, which is why we like this show and we yeah, like you. You right. have strong opinions held loosely, right? You have strong – and when you see other evidence that indicates maybe you need to change your mind, you do that. Sure, I, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, again, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, apples to apples going from the NFL to college either. Right. And sometimes, hey, sometimes when you're on, in college and you're on a poor team – it's hard to evaluate how good you are. Sometimes when you're on a really dominant good team, you, it's hard to evaluate mm-hmm. how good you are at times. And, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, the biggest thing with him is he very rarely loses control of the football. And that was my biggest thing at Ohio State. When he really tried to throw his fastball, he'd lose control of it. Sure. He, it's like he's realized, like, wait, don't try to throw the fastball. Just be smooth and rhythmic, and my arm's plenty of strong. 
and it might only be 95% of my effort, but I throw a perfect spiral, and I know where the ball's going every time I do that. And I think he's learned that, and that's what's been really impressive to me. All right, so let's continue the self-scout thyself. Yeah. Let's investigate this. Let's do this. Uh, Cardinals are legit. Well, they yeah. beat the Browns 37-14. We already knew that. Yeah. But, you know, I think with them being the only undefeated team in the NFL, Cardinals fans haven't had this for a while, right? Right. So enjoy it. You got a great team, got a great defense, a great offense, but they want they want all the love. It's like we want all of it now. I understand it. Give us a, give us all of it. Yeah. Power rankings number one. We're right. the only undefeated team, which I would say that's why you have the standings. You don't need the power rankings to reflect the standings because that's the same thing. That's neither here nor there yeah. because they are legitimately good. And who yeah. knows? Maybe they will be number one in the power rankings here pretty soon because they go into Cleveland, get the win 37-14 without their coach. Hopefully he's doing better um, without their play caller there. And they just dominated from the get-go. Yeah, Cleveland made a lot of mistakes. They got some injuries there. Baker Mayfield's kind of hurt. Um, but, Chris, you predicted this, a comfortable Browns win, made it one of your best bets, and the yep. Cardinals shocked not only you but a lot of other people out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. You know, again, I, I guess I'm still waiting to see the flaws. I thought maybe Cleveland could do some things to the Cardinals' offense to give them issues. You know, again, Cleveland's defense got a lot of talent. You know, you know. I have people on Cleveland who make fun of me sometimes, and I'm going to go. Your team's one of the five most best ro- five best rosters in football, and you're three and three, mm. and they're still like people get on me there, and I want to be like, fuck off. And I picked you to go to the Super Bowl this year, so shut up. But um, I yeah, I expected Cleveland's defense to match up with them a little bit better, and you know, of course, when I picked that game during the week, again here, just self scout the whole situation here. I did not know Nick Chubb was going to be out of the game, nor did I know that either tackle was going to be out of the game. That changed things a little bit too. But I think nonetheless, the same thing is what we saw. We saw a team from Arizona who can just go on spurts of making big plays, like unlike any other team in football, in my opinion. You know, even to start the game, it's just, you know, it's it's like they stop they stop Cleveland on a fourth fourth and short, right? I think that's I think that's how it went. Or they stop them uh, on the first drive of the game, make fourth a punt. Fourth and three. Yep. Four, yep. And they just they just go right down the field and score in, in no time. You know, and where break a big run, all of a sudden it's you know, it's a third and nineteen. Kyler Murray escapes to the left and makes an unreal throw for a touchdown pass and it's seven nothing. And then Cleveland comes down, like you said, and they go, they end up getting stopped on a fourth and three and Arizona, they're going to make a few big plays. Boom. They're going to go right back down the field and score one more time. And that's where they're just, they're special that way. And then I, I guess what I was most surprised again, and listen, there was, there was true issues with the fact that they didn't have their tackles. That was a real issue. Baker was under duress. And, you know, of course, like, Jack Conklin is arguably one of the best run-blocking right tackles in football. Jedrick Wills is pretty good left tackle. So that, w- that hurt their football team. And, of course, Nick Chubb, I-, I would call Nick Chubb the best running back in the game right now. It's either him or Derrick Henry. Uh, I guess Dalvin Cook right there in that conversation. But, man, I-, I just was impressed with the amount of plays, again, that Arizona makes. And, like, you know, I went back and kind of watched that game a little bit this morning just real quick. I mean, um, overwhelm the line of scrimmage their speed at times up front just causes such chaos that it's like it's almost like they're like wait wait we want to block the play this way but this guy shot this gap and we don't know where this guy's gonna be and ultimately they started to get Cleveland into a game that they don't want to be in where they had to drop back and throw and you're down 14 nothing 
Now Baker holds the ball and scrambles, right, fumbles. So now it goes 17-0. Good job by Cleveland's defense holding the field goal. They get the ball back. Baker throws a bad interception on the right side. They hold him to a field goal again to make it 20 to nothing. Um, but I guess my, my ultimate point is big plays, and this is where I messed up, Cleveland's defense it, as talented as it is, it just still lets up too many big plays here and there to where uh, it changes the you know, the outlook of the football game altogether. Yeah, and and you're going to give up big plays to Kyler Murray in that offense. I mean, that's just going to happen. Even no, if it you, is. You've yes. got things buttoned up. But, yeah, it seems to be happening weekly with them. Anthony Rufo says, Chris, been a fan of yours since your Bleacher Report days. Self-scout themselves on the, on the Cardinals. Every time we think it's going to be their first loss of the season, they find ways to win, and yeah. they do it in different ways every week with quality opponents. So I don't. Do you have their schedule up there? Yeah. How 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 crazy is this going to get? Because they're six and zero for the first time since nineteen seventy four. Right. Forty teams have started six and zero. Yeah. Thirty eight have made the playoffs. Ooh. So all but two. Yeah. And the average finish to the season for all of them thirteen and three. Mm. I would. I mean, I would be shocked at this point if they're not in the playoffs. I mean, I know they got yep. a lot of work left, and they still got a lot of NFC West teams on their schedule. Okay, I expect them to beat the Texans, but Packers and Forty ers again. You know, again, hey, the 49ers went toe-to-toe with them. That game was 10-7 to with, like, yeah. four minutes left in the fourth quarter, and there was no Jimmy Garoppolo and some issues there. Colts, so, Cowboys at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, listen, they're, they're yeah. Rams. They're, I mean, no, there's there's definitely some still legit tests on the schedule here. You can here. see five or six losses yeah, still in sure, there. But they're still, they're still a phenomenal football team, and I don't think anything's going to make me change the fact of, like, they're, they're a legit playoff football team right now. There's no doubt about that, and would be absolutely floored if it didn't come to that. You know, they, they show abilities of big play, like we talked about, where they're different, like in years past, is their ability to run the ball is a little bit better. You know, yeah, they made a few mistakes. They had a few people missing in the game. But uh, overall, just a really, really impressive football game by them. And, yeah, they kind of um, – their their defensive front whooped the crap out of Cleveland's offensive line. I think that was the shocker of the game. Yeah, and, and even with that – there are some scenarios where you can see Cleveland maybe being in this game a little bit more. You say the missed fourth down, close in uh, deep in the red zone. Some questionable uh, penalties. Some scrambles, some penalties, some scrambles by Baker. Hit, fumbled a couple times. No, don't Bad doubt. overthrow interception where he just lost control exactly of the right. ball. Exactly right. Early in the game. Um, so, I mean, Cleveland did hit the Hail Mary just before halftime. What so horrible that, defense was that? I that mean, got that was horrible. I, I, don't, I mean, you're literally allowed to pass interfere on those plays, and they, they didn't even touch the guy. They let it hit him right in the chest. I think that was... What's unbelievable, yeah. I mean, hey, they, they, they did a good job of kind of fighting and clawing back into the football game. You know, got it to 23-14, if I remember this correctly, and there was a few, you know, three and outs by each side, and, mm-hmm. you know, you're going, okay, man, can Cleveland put something together here? Uh, but then, then um, you know, it was the eight-play, 54-yard drive that went up, made it 30-14, to 14, where you were like, uh-oh, they're in deep trouble. And yeah. I, did, did a turnover set up that drive? That's what I want to check real quick. I don't think so. That was the Baker Mayfield fumble where he hurt his shoulder, right? They're at the midfield. He's scrambling, making, trying to make a play happen. And Baker's a little like – he's become a little bit – when he gets out of the side of the pocket, I get nervous because he seems to lose fat, like sight of who's around him. Mm. And, I mean, we saw that yesterday with both fumbles. It was kind of like he forgot that people were pursuing him. They did both look similar, didn't kinda they? kind of got, got, him, got him that way, no yeah. doubt. All right, so Cleveland goes down. Cardinals are looking good. I, yeah, you're right. Defensively, I mean, I'm looking at some of the numbers here. Second in turnover margin, third and third down efficiency, okay. fifth in sack, well, first and fourth fumbles. Right. I mean, they can match up with any defensive scheme. The one thing I've questioned is just do they have enough big people to stop the run? You know, but – 
The 49ers, they did a decent job last week. Of course, yesterday against Cleveland, which I still, I know the tackles weren't there and no Nick Chubb. I still value that running game and the mm-hmm. way that they play that way. But also, it's once they get you into some situations, Vance Joseph, he's really creative. And, you know, they'll force the issue a little bit. Like, that might be the new theme in football. It's like force the issue. It really is, where it's like, oh, it's a rundown. We're going to put a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage. Okay, you might have to, you might get a 15-yard completion behind us, but we're going to play man-to-man. You're going to have to throw it in there. You're going to have to block it up the right way. Right. You know, I, I thought they played some really tight coverage at times and kind of overwhelmed the uh, running game with, with just numbers, sheer numbers in the box. Forcing the issue is something that you wanted the Chiefs to do a couple years ago, and they did it, got them all the way to the Super Bowl and a victory. Um, the defense not as good this year, although – Maybe took a step in the right direction last game against Washington. 100%. 31-13, the final <laughs> score last time when you were breaking down some of the defensive errors on what the F happened Wednesday about that Chiefs defense. You're like, yeah. I don't know if it's fixable. Now, you know, Washington doesn't have the most explosive offense yeah, out there, but they put up good some, enough. some points yeah. on some, some uh-huh. teams out there. I wouldn't expect them to, to pitch a 13-point you know, shutout on the defensive side of the ball. So Orion Chuzzlewit. A common, up, a common commenter here yeah. on PFT and on this podcast said, can I get a damn okay for the Chiefs sucky ducky defense? <laughs> yeah, I like it, Only Orion. one busted coverage all game and a shutout in the second half That's right. versus the football team. Yeah. Did you but, like what you saw? Oh, well, 100%. And I, I went back and kind of already watched this a little bit this morning, just like I did Arizona. And, you know, I'm sorry, with the Arizona-Cleveland game there, I feel like I bumbled too much. That's what happens when I have too many thoughts in my head. And if I seemed incoherent there, I had too many thoughts, and I don't think I ever got to a just concise go, if thought. If people didn't understand, just go back and listen to it again. Yeah. You know, that's what we encourage okay. people to do. I hope I explained that game the sense, right way. Rewind, Arizona's really good, okay, either way. But here's, here's what I looked at in the game and the biggest takeaway. And I watched this game pretty closely, of course, live yesterday. I was keeping my eye on it. He's right. There was only one blown coverage. It was a, little, it was a trick play. The 39-yard touchdown pass to Ricky Seals-Jones, right? Yeah. It was a little fake wide receiver screen, and they went up the seam. And I don't know exactly. Exactly what Kansas City did to mess the coverage up, but they messed it up regardless, and he was wide open. Which was just before the half, and this game on the scoreboard looked <laughs> close for most of the game. Please, it set was that not, up. It was not close. It really was not. I mean, again, if we're let's, I'll get to the defense in a second, but you're exactly right. Hey, the key to the Kansas City Chiefs and what made them great for so long was the fact that they jump out on you early. Like look like they were gonna do yesterday. You were you're going, Oh, they're gonna be up fourteen nothing and that's when they became dangerous. They get you down fourteen or seventeen nothing and then you had to err on the pass game and now Steve Spagnola knows that and he can be creative and do a lot of different things just in the pass defense. The, the Chiefs' offense has not been able to execute good enough early on in football games to ever put teams in that position to this point and didn't do that yesterday. But here's what changed with the Chiefs' defense. I just talked about like Arizona forcing the issue, right? Mm-hmm. How they put pe- th- That to me was the number one thing, and I'm 100% correct with what I saw on this one. I know that for sure. When, when, I, when I just watched the game back real quick this morning, it was a lot of people at the line of scrimmage. I think they kind of said – screw our four-man rushes and we'll try to do creative coverages. We're going to send five and send six and play man behind it and try to expose your pass protections that way. And that, to me, was the biggest difference in the game or the biggest difference in the way they played all together. A lot of creative blitzes. Pete, I don't know if you can look that up, but I, I, I would bet that there was more blitzes from Kansas City in this game than any other game we saw all year. I'm just going by my naked eye there. I have no idea if that's going to be correct. But I, I would think so. And within that and the people of the line of scrimmage, it helped them contain the run game. And, you know, 
what sometimes blitzing and forcing the issue does, of course, you don't die a slow death like we talk about, and you don't want your Chiefs offense to be off the field. But the other thing, too, is when you blitz and pressure, and if you have a good feel for the offense, you sometimes can know what their answers are going to be. Like, oh, when we're a blitz team, they like to throw screens to the receiver. Or, oh, when you blitz these two guys, they like to throw hot to this guy. And if you can coach it right in the background, right, and be like, hey, secondary, when we blitz this, be ready. They're going to try to throw it high. Then they can rally and tackle. And even though you blitzed and took a chance, you might only give up a four-yard gain because you kind of knew what their answer was to that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay, and I think that's what I saw a little bit yesterday. And I'll be looking to see if this is going to be the new theme for them going forward. And, and maybe it was a, a different grouping of players on the field too. Dre all two says damn okay Chiefs defense Juan Thornhill in for Daniel Sorensen made an immediate impact 100% and Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton also played well alongside Tyron Matthews. Yes they did uh, well you know hey Legereus Sneed and Fenton were the guys last year who played really well you know I somehow they got supplanted a little bit earlier this year but they went back to those guys they did look like they played good so I Sorensen's been an issue with the Chiefs on defense, so that's why they started Juan Thornhill over him. Thornhill's a phenomenal athlete. He's phenomenal. I mean, he really is. He's got, like, true one-of-the-fastest-guy-on-the-field type speed. Hmm. And, hey, overall, it was the first game all year that I watched and I went, Kansas City's defensive line won the battle. Like, even when they didn't blitz and overall, I went, they pushed Washington back. They won some of those battles where I've been saying, like, I don't know who's going to do anything up there. They keep getting their ass kicked. So it was a big win. And other – I mean, Kansas City's offense looked really good yesterday in a lot of ways. It's just, again, you know, drop pass in your hands, interception on the five-yard line. Yeah. McColl Hardman reverse for 18 yards, fumble. Patrick Mahomes fumbling the snap down in – you know, the red zone, and then trying to throw. <laughs> I don't know what he was trying to throw. There was, was nobody like, downfield. It was only Kelsey down there. It was a, it was a run play. It was like a, that was Jameis Winston-esque. That was. And Jameis does a lot of good things. Yes, I, don't just, I know, but that, that, be a I think line. you said it right. You're right. That's but the, you that, watch that play, and you're like, I can see Jameis. Doing I, 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 but to your point, you never got the sense yesterday watching that game that, like, the Chiefs' offense was going to be stopped. stopped. They won by 18. They could have won by 30, mm-hmm. I, I think. Chiefs out west says this, though, in watching the game. Mahomes looked perfectly fine running around, making plays with his feet and off schedule. Uh, you have to ask Chris what he's talking about when he says that Mahomes doesn't look 100% because I don't see it. Yeah, well, I He did I run do. around okay in he this did. game. He ran okay. He's run okay on every game. He's run okay in every game. All I'm trying to say is there's been a gear missing. And you know what? Yesterday, I'm not going to lie, he did look a little bit better to me. Yeah. But – you know, also to our listener, the numbers will also tell you. And again, I'm not about the numbers, but I'm about the numbers when a guy was overwhelmingly the best quarterback in football outside the pocket for the last three years. Like it was like, don't let him outside the pocket or you're going to lose. To now it's he's one of the worst in football outside the pocket. One of the worst through the first like five weeks. You know, I'm sure yesterday I might have corrected that to a degree. So th- there is something there. You can say what you want. And. I've had people reach out to me to tell me that I'm on to something. I think I said this to you last week, yeah. that th- he is not 100% down there. They're not going to let it be known. That's not going to be like a, a, a report from you know insiders. They're trying to keep that stuff quiet. Uh, but either way, he was phenomenal. He threw yeah. the ball absolutely he amazing did. yesterday. He looked, he looked really good. He and maybe, really good. who knows, maybe whatever has hampered his mobility is going to get better. Well, as, as I, I used to argue on. this with Rodgers a little bit. When you got to sometimes carry the team to such an extent – it, it makes bad habits, too. 
okay? And that's, to me, where it's all gone wrong a little for him this year. Not that it's been bad. Again, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, and he's throwing, what, eight interceptions, and I don't give a shit. He's still one of the best players in football, if not the best still. I don't care. I'm not, like, overjudging the stats, and he's still an MVP contender for me because I think they're going to rip off some wins here at some point and, and get back in the mix of things. But I used to argue this with Rodgers a little bit in his heyday with Green Bay because it was all so much on him at times that it caused other bad habits in him because, hey, offense is not good. Running game is not good. I got to make the play. And then he would maybe turn down a five-yard easy completion because he's like, that's not going to get us back in the game or get okay. us going. Let me, let me buy some time and hop around, and I'll find a 30-yard play, and that'll jumpstart us. Mahomes last year was not protected for the last 10 weeks of the season. The last 10 weeks. I mean, not all. You know, go back and watch the, the Dolphins game, the Saints game. It is pressure the whole game. And be, he got him into the habit of always moving in the pocket and always floating backwards. And that led him to some bad stuff this year, I think, to where he was missing the first read. And you've heard me talk about staying in the pocket and being true to the progressions. Yeah, he wasn't playing the, the position true to form that way. And I think he's gotten back on track here the last two or three weeks. Offense is certainly scoring points. They are the sixth team in the Super Bowl era to average 30 points a game but not have a winning record. Yeah, so that's... only five other teams have ever done that through six games, and only one of those previous five teams has made the playoffs. Hold on. Okay, so that's a good one. So, okay, so we're saying through six games, 30 points, average 30 points a game, but we're not not above not 500. A, we're not, not above 500. Not above 500. And you're saying of those six teams, only there were one? five previous teams, only one made the playoffs. Okay. And you know the one? I know the one. Okay. It's this century. This century. It's within the last 10 years. It's within the last 10 years. Hold on. I'm just going to look at teams here. I just want to look at some teams. So 30 plus points. 30 plus points. Mm, who who would that be here in the last 10 years? Man. And they made the conference championship game, you said? They were the one team. That's what Pete just said in your ear. He gave you a hint. Yeah, okay. They made the conference championship game. It's a team that you had some intimate knowledge with. Just tell me. The 2012 New England Patriots. The 2012 New England Patriots. When were you with them? You were with I them. was there that year. That was your year. Yes. Yeah. So is that right? We started. So you started. Them. I don't even remember us. Then three and three. three. And three. Started three and three. Wow. Holy cow. I, I mean, I completely forgot that. Who were the three losses to early in that year? You, oh. Cardinals at home. Yeah. Right. Ravens. Yeah. On the Sunday Night Football game and then at the Seahawks. At the Seahawks. So that was the UMAD bro was game. UMAD exactly bro. right. Okay. So, yeah. so okay. Yeah. So here's the thing. Are the Chiefs gonna join the Patriots yes. as another team to make the playoffs? A little easier now, you get an extra playoff. Yeah, um, but team, I think you get an so. extra game. Yeah, seems like they should make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think they're going to get the defense right to a point, hopefully, to where at least it's just, you know, slightly below average. And I, I just have too much faith in the offense and Patrick Mahomes to think that they'll play the right way. I don't know if that's going to lead to a Super Bowl, but uh, either way, like you said, it's it's extremely explosive on yeah. that side of the ball. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day. The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. 
They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Speaking of explosive offenses, the Chargers have shown to be a very explosive offense this season, except against the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. <laughs> 34 to 6. You, along with many other people, predicted a Chargers win. Uh, the Ravens running game was awesome in this one. And it wasn't just Lamar. They rushed for 187 yards as a team. You see, he had 51 of those, but Devontae Freeman had 53. Latavius Murray, 44. Le'Veon Bell had 18. It's like a, it's like a who's who of like guys who used to be impactful on my fantasy team. I know. I mean, and, and, then and listen, they're good, but they're not as good as the guys that they have that are hurt. I'll just say that right yeah. off the bat. I mean, they they watch out if they had some of those guys, you know. But um, I think that's where uh, I'm mad at myself for that the pick of that game in general. Uh, I don't know why, you know. I you know really I got into a little bit like Baltimore hasn't run the ball that well that lately, and maybe. Maybe the Chargers, with the speed of their front, can create some chaos, kind of like the Colts did in, in the first game of the year. But that wasn't the case. I mean, listen, it, it, there's no other way to say it. It was a complete ass-whooping up front. I mean, that's what it was. They did whatever they wanted the first few drives of the game. I mean, it just was like seven yards here, eight yards here, six yards off tackle, five yards right up the middle, you know, eight yards on the edge. It was almost unstoppable that way. And what I am excited to see is just what they did on the defensive side of the ball. I am. You know, again, it looked like they they basically put the pressure on their front, you know, early on and just said, hey, we're going to play some two deeps and maybe being a five-man pressure, but we're going to play two deep behind it. And, and they trusted their front to stop the run, but they weren't going to let up some big plays in the pass game. And then they got the Chargers into a game of like, whoa, we're down 14 nothing. we got to throw the ball. We're not going to go to fourth down. Whoa, we're down 17 nothing. Screw the run game. And once you do that with Baltimore, it's tough because Wink Martindale and them, they're just too well-coached and too creative on that side of the ball, and that's where they really stymied the Chargers. Uh, Spence Nice 103. Does Chris finally buy into the Ravens after pure domination by the defense over the Chargers offense? I, 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 guess, I, I guess I do. Yeah, I do. That, that, that might they be look the like a playoff piece. team to you. Yeah, I mean, of course, they've looked like a playoff team. I just didn't know how kind good of, of a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, team. like, no, right. no playoff team barely beats the Lions Everybody. with an NFL record I field get you. goal. I know. There's been, I mean, again, you know, I would argue last week's game against the Colts was a halfway miracle to, to winning that football game. There's been a few of those this year, but that was by far their most dominant game of the year. It's probably the most dominated that the Chargers will be all year, right? They're not going to look that bad. I would probably echo, echo those sentiments you're right I mean it, it's hard to hold that group in check you know and of course that then they got into some of the fourth downs and hey the Ravens did a good job they made sure they matched up Marlon Humphreys with like the single receiver to the left side and that's going to be a tough matchup you know again you're used to winning that oh that's Mike Williams over there it's fourth and six no problem our quarterback's great and he's great but that changes when it's a guy like Marlon Humphrey he's just as great as your corner and I know he made two great stops, I thought, just in some man-to-man coverage where they put a lot of pressure on him. But that was a, a pretty awesome win by, by the Baltimore Ravens. Andraj Stowan says, hey, Chris, can you talk about Lamar's throwing delivery at the moment? It looks like to me that he's changed it and throwing more accurately. He Love is, the podcast. He is. He is definitely more accurate. And one of the things I've talked about on, on the past pods is just, it, it's, to me, it's not necessarily the motion itself up top. 
It's the fact that he has his legs in the right spot. And if you watch, I mean, you know, again, his, his legs are always underneath his shoulders. He used to get a little bit of that habit where his feet would get together and then he would have like a little bit of a long stride to hit to throw the football. Well, when you add more moving parts, things are going to move, and then you're not necessarily going to slot the ball perfectly all at the same time. You talk to any really good quarterbacks, Rodgers, Brady, Drew Brees, they're going to tell you that if your feet are, good sp- are in a good spot and always underneath you and got the power underneath you, it's going to lead to a smooth delivery up top as well. And I think that's the biggest thing I noticed. I did a little thing last week on PFT just showing it because we were going through some highlights. And I go, look at him hopping in the pocket. You know, he was, he was like a boxer, just moving around. Feet were in the perfect place. And I don't want to like, – here we got a little shot here. But feet are always here. He used to get into this position and then stride and throw. Now he's always here no matter where he goes, and that to me is the biggest difference in, in his throwing this year as compared to years past. Yeah, they look good. That was uh, a convincing victory over the Chargers, a team that continues to go for it on fourth down. Um, and I just want to make this note here. Midway through the third, they were down 24-6. to Brandon Staley, on his own 19, goes for it on fourth and one. They did not get it. Yeah. You know, but looking at That's that. That's all right. But look, exactly. Like, looking You're going to lose like, if you don't do something. Even if you don't, if you don't get that, right? Yeah. It's still helping your offensive output in theory because you're getting the ball back quicker. You know, it's like their drive's not going to be as long. And so even with that, they still only scored six points, which tells me it didn't matter what they did. They, they might as well have gone for every fourth down because their offense just was not clicking to a point where it was ever going to even no, matter. No, they had a force the issue. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, to that point, too, this is where Staley, I think, is a little – like, he's looking at two going, wait, okay, it, it was it was 24 to 6, right? You said at that point? They were down 18 at yeah. the time. So he's going, okay, we're going to go for it because we're in trouble here and we're not playing good. Let me see if we can, you know, get a few first downs, maybe rest my defense a little bit, get in a rhythm as an offense and start right. doing something. But at the very least, he's going, okay, if we don't make it, hopefully we can hold them a field goal. And what's really changed? We're still three scores down. And that's exactly. what happened. Yep. So he ends up being, okay, we're 18 down, now we're 21 down. Whoop-dee-doo. Exactly. And so there's a calculated like, you know, aspect to it mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. And, and that's where he's you know, been very good all year long. It's just they ran into a buzzsaw yesterday with the Ravens. Which brings me to the next game and yeah. a little bit of game theory in this one, too, before we get into some of the real issues with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, this is the Panthers and the Vikings. The Vikings uh, took the lead after a blocked punt with a couple quick touchdowns within a minute. Um, but then this game came down to the end and give the Carolina offense credit for the first time waking up late in this game. But I had a debate with my dad. Yeah. We were watching this game together. Right. And Carolina had the ball. They were down 11 late yeah. in the game. Right. And instead of going for it on fourth and goal, the first three plays didn't look great. And so they kicked a field goal on fourth and goal. Yeah. Uh, they kicked uh, the field goal. They made it. And they were down eight. Yeah. And I went back and forth with my dad. My dad was like, that's the right call. You know, now it's an eight-point game. You can tie it with a touchdown and two-point conversion. Right. But I was uh, just in thinking about that decision yeah. in, in the broader context of how the NFL thinks now, I was like, okay, you kick that there. What are you saying? So then everything from this point forward has to go right. You have to make that field goal. You have to get a stop. You have to then go down, score a touchdown. Yeah. You have to then get the two-point conversion. Right. And then you have to prevent Minnesota from scoring in the remaining time left, which Minnesota got in field goal range and missed a, a field goal. And after all that, if all that goes right – you still have to win the game in overtime. I was like, all that has to go right. And so it became clear to me in thinking about it yeah. that when you you're down rather... when you're down big late in the game, 
you need to do everything to try to win the game in regulation. Playing for overtime almost seems like a losing a losing deal because you're if you're playing for overtime, you're playing for a coin flip that you may lose anyway. Yeah, sure. So I don't know. I, I, I think I, I think that's the way a lot of coaches are thinking now. I, I if you're down you. big late, go for the win in regulation. I, 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 I there does seem to be that aspect. You know, there, there's no doubt. It's just, you know, it, it's a hard thing there for a coach. I, I would have done what Matt Rule did, I think. I do. I would have just, I would have played that percentage there. You know, again, they were severely outplayed yesterday. Severely. Severely. Like, worse outplayed, like what they did to the Eagles last week, and they know they still lost that game. They severely outplayed the Eagles and lost. They severely outplayed were outplayed by the Vikings, had no business even being in overtime of that football game. 571 yards I mean, of none. offense for the Vikings, third most in franchise history. Listen, the Carolina Panthers did not do shit the whole freaking game other than the last two drives of the game, basically. More than half their yards of the game came on the last two drives. They, they just were incapable. Sam Darnold wasn't good. He made bad decisions. Yeah, they dropped some passes for sure. I'll go back to what I said on my Wednesday What the Fuck Happened podcast. I see, I see defenses getting a really good feel for Joe Brady and his offense. I do. I see plays where I go, I've seen this play 12 times already this year. I've seen this play three times this game already. Like, Zimmer was all over their stuff. You know, there was a play. There were even some of the plays where I showed they showed the drops of the receivers or Chubba Hubbard. I want to go. Yeah, he's gonna catch it. He's gonna get his head knocked off. Like, okay, mm-hmm. he should have caught it, but like they were all over it. So there's a little bit of everything going on there. Sam Darnold not playing well, missing Christian McCaffrey. Sure, the drops and defense is getting a a, a good feel for how Joe Brady is attacking here in year two, and that's what I'm gonna be watching going forward. Let alone, I think the shock of the day to me was that. The Vikings ran the ball the way they did on that Carolina Panthers front. I didn't expect that. And once they start doing that, like, good night. It's over. Because once they start doing that, Kirk Cousins, his aggressive frame of mind off those play-action passes into Thielen and Jefferson, uh, it's unbelievable the way he throws the ball that way. Into tight windows, aggressively down the field. It was impressive. And, yeah, they should have won that game uh, before overtime. That's for sure. Vikes 90-90. How about Kirk Cousins and Clint Kubiak lighting up the number two defense in the NFL? And now we have to, I mean, I wasn't planning on this at all this year. Right. I wasn't planning on having to think about the Vikings as a serious playoff contender. I really wasn't for whatever reason. I don't know. I just dismissed them. Do we have to change our thinking? I think we get, we we do. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be in this conversation. I think that's, that's what we got to get used to. Not to say I'm going to go, oh, they're going to make the playoffs, but with the way they run the football, as explosive as they are with Thielen and Jefferson in the past game. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the defense is solid. Like, right, where's, let me just see, like, where's Minnesota's defense? Middle of football. There you go. Uh, they're in the 16th in football. That's what I would have about expected. Yeah, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be one of these teams all year long that we're going to be talking about. Are they going to be a six or seven seed in the, in the playoffs? And it's going to see how it just shakes out in, in December. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, 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 yeah. So they're they're in the conversation, and I'm mad. I'm mad what? at Carolina because, yeah, Carolina was your sleeper team, my sleeper team, Pete's sleeper team, <laughs> and we we're feeling so good after that three and zero start, and now they're disappointing. us. No, disappointing, and you know, um, just sloppy play. Really, I mean, not not a sloppy play, but Sam Darnold. You know, like I tried to say last week, Sam Darnold was not as good as everybody thought when they were three and zero, and. Last week and this week were bad. The Dallas yeah. game was not bad. 
It was okay. Yeah, he made a few mistakes. You know, the team made some mistakes to go along with it. But the last two weeks have me a little concerned about the offense uh, for sure. Just the way it looked, the way it looked on replays with where defenders were, it just seems to me like not only is he not playing good, but mm-hmm. teams have a good feel for the attack on that side of the ball. Yeah, Gould 99 said Panthers offense struggling, opposing defenses are all over Joe Brady's play calling. And Darnold go. without right. the ultimate check down, and McCaffrey looks like he's still playing for the Jets. Yeah, well, and, and to me, this has always been an issue with Darnold. Darnold in the pocket is his biggest issue. He's a little bit well, – always wants to get out and make it USC versus Penn State in the Rose Bowl, and I want to scramble all the time. And that, to me, was one of the things I did not like about him coming out in the draft was the fact that it was that all the time. My, anybody go back and watch. My big question about Sam Darnold was always, can he make throws and plays in the pocket consistently? And, I, you know, I've been a defender of him, as you know, but I think that question is still fair as we sit here, you know, going into week seven now. All right, questions for the Panthers, questions for the Vikings, but the Vikings on the uh, upward trajectory with that overtime victory over Carolina in a game where they outplayed them significantly. We're going to get into our Sunday night football game, Seattle versus Pittsburgh here in just one second. But first, we want to give some love to our sponsor, Under Armour. It's time for the live read, Chris. This is where we're put to the test on the spot, and it's how well can you read words that are in front of you for you and for me. Sometimes a challenge for both of we'll us. We'll see. Uh, so we are supported by Under Armour. And just like Chris and myself, Under Armour wants to give you an edge, Chris. They are focused on performing better and taking their game to the next level, just like me and Ahmed. Everything from running shoes that propel you forward to hoop shoes that give you insane grip. They even make hoodies that reflect energy. Now, this is going so well so far. Yeah. Don't screw this up, Chris. I won't. Okay, don't worry. I won't do that. We're not just about the end result, Ahmed. We're uh-huh. winning or glory. It's right. not always about winning or glory. True. Under Armour is about the hard work, Good. the dedication. The cycle of training, competing, and recovering. That's what you and I do to prepare for this podcast week after week. It's a lot of drinking water after I'm done. And energy drinks, honestly. Yeah, That's how I get right. back I'm to 100%. Up right now. Uh, we give you the advantages, but not the shortcuts. The only way is through. Is through. Pretty good. Pretty good. I think we topped ourselves from last time, right? Boom. Pete, good. Okay. Clip that one on improvement. As long as we improve every week. Yeah. But we do get love to. We self-scouted thyself, and we came back with a better game plan. I've been wearing my Steph Currys around all the time that they have given me. They have insane grip. And, and mine are coming in the mail, Pete I've been Pete says told. they're in the mail. Ooh, yeah. But that's like what everyone says, right? It's in the mail. Checks yeah. in the mail. Yeah, checks in the mail. That means this might not be, though. <laughs> uh, we trust them, though, because they, they've been good to us so far, except not Chris on the curry so far. Uh, now it's time for Damn OK presented by Under Armour. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. And it damn. is a damn okay in our Sunday night football game for the Steelers' T.J. Watt. He's yeah. back. He's healthy. Seven tackles, two sacks, three passes defended, and the game-winning forced fumble on Geno Smith and made Geno just lay on the ground with his hands over his helmet and his eyes in uh, distress because T.J. Watt did it again, and he uh, he won the game for Pittsburgh late. No doubt about it. I mean, it just showed up right at the right times, right? I mean, yeah, the big sack, of course, and, of course, the strip sack in an overtime, phenomenal. Hey, he's, he, he's being paid that money for a reason. I mean, he's that guy that makes those type of plays really almost weekly. And if he doesn't make it weekly, it's like you go back and watch the film and go, oh, he was so close two or three times to making it happen weekly. I mean, that, that's, that's really what it is. 
a lot of things to talk about at this game. I mean, really, I mean, a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, first off, hey, we saw Pittsburgh's defense, how dominant it was in the first half. I do think the Seahawks were a little bit overly conservative. There's no doubt about that. I think the Seahawks took the approach of, hey, offense, we're not going to screw the game up. We think our defense can maybe cause Big Ben to create, you know, a few turnovers and do that. They took that approach, I think, early on. But the, the Steelers' defense just overwhelmed the Seahawks in the first half. Uh, then you talk about the offense in the first half. I thought Big Ben in the first half might have been one of his best halves of football the whole year. And what I mean by that, just clean. Like, he knew where he was going the ball. He made the right decisions. Seattle played a lot of crowding the line of scrimmage defensive alignments in the first half to where they were basically like, no, you're not going to run the ball and do what you did to Denver last week and then make life easy. We're going to see if Big Ben can handle some pressure, and throw the ball the right way. And I thought Pittsburgh's attack off of that for what the defense was telling them to do because, again, Seattle will bring some crazy blitzes. And the one thing we know about Big Ben right now is when he holds the ball and there's blitzes and he starts to think he's Big Ben from 10 years ago, and I tried to say this on Football Night in America last night, that's when it's strip sack fumble, just like you saw on the fumble at the end of the game. When he starts pump faking and shit, it's almost like 9 out of 10 times things are going to go bad right now. And Mm -hmm. so they were smart. And I think just calling like, hey, let's get the ball out of his hands. Let's not let Big Ben hold the ball and maybe do something crazy that way. And I thought the first half was really, really well played. Second half was like flip of the coin. Total different story. Seattle started to play. Wait, we don't think you can run the ball on us when we play pass defense. So they started to play more like base pass coverages and Pittsburgh didn't show the ability to really be able to run the ball and move around just a, hmm. a normal front seven or front six look, right? So that was one thing. And then, of course, what Seattle did run the ball in the second half. I mean, the first drive of the game? I mean, the first drive of the second half? Let me just – I mean, what was it? Six plays, 60 yards, and I think five of them were runs, if I'm right. And five of them, like, it's just, like, right up the middle. Like, just – here, we're going this way, and you're not going to be able to stop us. And I was shocked by that. So you think, I mean, with the adjustment that Seattle made on defense yeah. and then running the ball on offense, you think that if they play that game again, Seattle's like, why don't we just do that the whole I, game? I think they might give them some more guts to, to play a little bit of a different style. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that they're, you know, early on, they're trying to crowd the line of scrimmage. They like to, okay, we might blitz or we might drop out either way, but we're going to scare you out of the numbers game and the run game. Um but, yeah, I think there probably would be a little bit of a different approach. And, and, you know, what we saw in the second half is what scares me a little bit about Pittsburgh is not a lot of depth on their defense. And I think they got worn down a little bit. So now you run the ball on them. And I just want to get this right for context for everybody, okay? So I'm going to just look at this little play-by-play thing here where they get the ball. I mean, it's, it's – You're talking the first drive the of the second half? The first drive of the second half. Okay. Here we go. It's Alex Collins, right tackle, five yards. Alex Collins, right guard, 11 yards. Alex Collins, right tackle, 21 yards. Geno Smith, short right to Metcalf for nine yards. Uh, DJ Dallas – Five yards up the middle, up the right guard. Alex Collins, right tackle, seven yards. Then it's seven more yards off the right guard. And then it's right up the middle for five yards with a penalty and unnecessary roughness. And then it's Alex Collins to off the right guard for no gain. And then it was Alex Collins up the middle for a two-yard touchdown. That was more than six plays. It was. I don't know where I got six plays from. It yeah. was ten plays, and nine of them were runs. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. So that just says it. Pittsburgh goes... You know, I think six and out, basically. Or no, Pittsburgh went down and got the field goal. 
I'm wrong about that. Sorry. And then the next drive was Pittsburgh overcommitting to stopping the run, and they hit three play-action passes, basically, yeah. off of that and got them in kind of a rhythm, and that game became a ball game from that point on. It's one of those games where Pittsburgh won, and they were really hammering the ball out of the, the hands of yeah. the I mean, give them credit for that. Yeah, that's obviously something they've coached. No and doubt. T.J. Watt did it, which yeah. won them the game, but they had one at the end of regulation. And on two DK of the Metcalf. last two plays, they D.J. Did. Dallas, then D.K. Metcalf, I know, they were right? doing that a ton. Right. Um, but I, I don't know how much we really did learn about the Steelers after this game. They're 3-3 three and three now. They beat a Seattle team without Russell Wilson. Didn't do it by a whole lot. Like, how much did we really learn? How much has our opinion changed of well, Pittsburgh? It, it, it hasn't game? a whole lot. It just, uh, to me, where I'll say with Pittsburgh, and I just think, like, the point itself is just, like, if the offense doesn't screw it up and they just kind of play clean, they don't need to be pretty, Yeah, it's going to be tough to beat them. I don't care who you are, you know? And, yeah, Seattle had their way with them a little bit in the second half, certainly. But no Tyson Alulu, no Stephon Tuitt. You know, he wasn't in the in the lineup. So those are two big difference makers there for them on the defensive side of the ball where I don't think if they're at full strength, you're going to run the ball down their throat a whole lot. Um, but, but, yeah, there's still questions in Pittsburgh. There are. Defense is dominant. I do question the depth up front, like we saw last night. Offense, yeah, we just want them to run the ball. And they want to run the ball and get – Big Ben wants to get a one-on-one with Deontay and Claypool – and and just go like that. That's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And if he can just play clean and take care of the football, they're they're going to be tough to stop, though. They'll over they'll be tough to beat, I should say. And then let T.J. Watt just take over on the defensive side, which he did at the end of the game, getting the damn okay, and also getting a damn okay. Another guy on the defensive side, Max Crosby for the Raiders as they beat the Broncos, thirty-four twenty-four. Uh, three sacks for Crosby, five quarterback hits, twelve total quarterback pressures. Also had a batted pass. And he's been flashing for a while now. I think it's going to take a while for him to get the respect. Maybe now he's getting it because that's what happens when you go to Eastern Michigan and you're a fourth-round pick. Yeah. It takes a little while to believe what we see, and some of it could be scheme. You never know, like players around you. But like, has Max Crosby been doing this long enough where we're like, yeah, he's one of the, if not you know, top five guys at his position? No. He's, he's up there. You're, you're not I'd, quite ready yet. I'd have to think about it a little bit. I'd have to think. I, I, right off the top of my head, I don't want to go top five, but I want to say top ten, yes. But we've always said, you know, he's not quite as good as his numbers may indicate. Right. Is he getting closer to being as good as his number indicates? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think he is. Yes. Yeah, so when I watch him, I don't sit there and go, for like, oh, this was some schemed up. He got the pressure because right. it was a great blitz and they found him. No. He's beating people with his pure physical ability. And the run game, he's a handful to go along with that. So, yeah, and that, listen, they're, they're a well-coached defense, and he's playing a position where, hey, it's a perfect scheme for him. They don't make him think about a whole lot. They go get out wide and just meet the quarterback seven yards in the backfield, take that angle, go there like a bat out of hell, and then, of course, he tries to read the run off of that. But, uh, yes, definitely one of the better defense alignment in all football. That's, I got no problem with saying that. Tripod 2X says Mad Max Crosby for his damn okay and that Raiders defense slapping Teddy Bridgewater around, who had four turnovers in the game, unlike Teddy. Uh, he goes, damn okay. Also, how different of a game did Greg Olson call from what Gruden normally does? Well, you no, know, I can't say that I saw a whole lot of difference there. I still think I saw Gruden's imprint in his offense. Ol- Olson's offense is Gruden's offense. You know, what I did wonder was just, 
hey, would they miss a little bit of a creative element? Because Gruden is creative. He's the mad scientist. He'll come up with some stuff where you go, wow, that's a cool play. I like what they did. Mm -hmm. But there was no slippage with the offense from the get-go, really. I mean, that was one of the first things I wrote down as I was sitting there watching the game. I went, Raiders offense doing really well, not missing Gruden. I mean, you know, so there, there was that. I think that was impressive. Listen, they had answers, and they always do for everything Denver threw at them all day. You know, Denver got impatient, and now they start to blitz. Okay, we got lots of answers to, to beat the blitz. And then, you know, the Henry Ruggs post over the top. I think both were against blitz looks from the, from the Denver defense. But really big win for them in, 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 you know, in an adversity-filled week and uh, was happy for Rich Passaccia and the rest of the crew there, definitely. And Josh Jacobs looked like he looked like he's close to 100%. So... Raiders aren't out of this thing yet. Yeah, and there were there were a lot of big plays on the offensive yeah, side once again. Lot. It was like we criticized Derek Carr. You did specifically on some checkdowns in the past, and that's some of that is Gruden's offense, short passing yep, game. Right. Uh, but first drive going deep on the touchdown, three huge plays in the final minute before halftime, and then a long the screen to Jacobs. To, yeah, I mean, right, yeah, right. Get, the beautiful pass himself. to Kenyon Drake to make it seventeen seven. Ryan was Edwards one mid fourth quarter where they just yeah. threw it up down in the middle of the field. So right. there, uh, there were a lot and rugs in the middle of the field too so there's a lot of big play potential on this Raiders offensive side but if the defense can can play as well as they did last game and force the turnovers they're they're going to be in the mix at the end of the season uh, we think the Bengals might be in the mix too yeah no like, doubt defeating the Lions 34 to 11 and it kind of another guy kind of like Max Crosby where you're like all right his numbers are really good how good is he really I think we said the same thing about Trey yeah. Hendrickson yeah. Uh, last year with New Orleans yeah, right when he right. was with New Orleans right uh, he gets our damn okay for this one. A sack, two quarterback hits, five total quarterback pressures, and two tackles in a dominant win for Cincinnati. Yeah, dominant. I mean, it really was. You know, it, was it was the first first game all year where you went, Detroit's got no chance. You know, it, every yes. other game we've kind of been like, oh, they're hanging with them. You know, ball bounces here, they make a play here, they might be able to win this football game. That, that was not going to happen in this one. You know, again, it's um, – Cincinnati's a big play offense, really, for the most part. They rely on the big plays, as we saw again yesterday. I mean, it was the same thing the week before. There was no drives against the Packers. It was like three big plays that gave them three touchdowns to give them 21 points. And, you know, between, oh, you got a linebacker one-on-one with Chris Evans outside. Okay, we're going to throw a go route. He's just going to be faster than your 245-pound linebacker. You know, they look for that type of, you know, mismatches. And then you get Joe Mixon on a fourth and short, wide open in the flat. And now he's running down the sidelines. Like Cincinnati's not going anywhere. Anybody, just stop, stop. This is I, I said this on Peacock last night with our like, get used to this. They're not like gonna fall off, and we're gonna be sitting here going, they're four and ten. They've lost eight in a row. No, you know, offensive line is solid enough. And then with the weapons and the way Burrow plays the game, and the defensive line's got two big D tackles in the middle, like you're talking about with Hendrickson. He's always got a few plays every game where he's around the quarterback, harassing the quarterback. And then you've heard me talk about their secondary. Um, no, I don't think they're going anywhere. And as long as, yeah, um, as long as you play Jamar Chase one-on-one, watch out. Because as we saw again yesterday, it, they're going to go deep to him. He leads the NFL with seven catches on throws of 20 or more air yards down the field. Had two in this game. He has a big play target for Joe Burrow, and they did carve up the Lions, and Dan Campbell called out Jared Goff well, at the end should. of the game a little bit. He should. I mean, Jared Goff's got to do, you know, again, I'm not trying to ask anybody of, like, don't do anything you're not capable of, 
But see, this is when you're making $34 million a year, the team expects you to make a play every now and then. You got to get us out of a bad moment. It's third down. Make a play. Make a great throw. It's just never that. It's like I used to call it silver platter throws with McVeigh. Whatever. Oh, Jared Goff's really good. And I want to be like, the guy was open by 50 yards. And like my 10 year old could have thrown that ball in there. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's being a great quarterback in football is like what we saw from Joe Burrow or other quarterbacks yesterday. Oh, it's a tight coverage or it's a deep pass. It's one-on-one. Boom. It's on the money. You only get so many of those opportunities and golf just doesn't come through with those nearly enough. It's always system related for the most part. And that's, what's frustrating. I think that's what Dan Campbell's talking about. Like, are you ever going to make a play that sparks us, you know, gets us going? Hey, we're, we're down 10, nothing or 17, nothing. It's time for somebody to do something off schedule, make a play. And that's where he doesn't deliver that way, and that's where I, you know, I'm sure they're frustrated by that. You know, the Lions used to have a guy like that. He, he, no, his no, name was, no, he wasn't good enough. His name was Matt Stafford, and wasn't that's good enough. That's where we start with. Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. It is the old Lions quarterback, the new Rams quarterback, who makes things look so so easy, and did yesterday against the Giants, blew him out, 38 to 11. And I'll argue it wasn't even that close. No. Um, what is the headline for that game? Uh, greatest show on surf. Oh, oh. Ahmed Fareed special right That's there, Hyundai. Give me credit. Gre- Give me that credit. was very well done by you. It was the first time that they had scored 28 points in a quarter since 2002. Right. The year of the greatest show on turf. Yeah, correct. right. The, the era of the greatest the show on turf. The era of the greatest show on turf. And yeah. now they've moved out west. They're in L.A. Greatest show on surf. I feel like that could catch up. Listen, I like that. Greatest show on surf. Use it. I'll give you license You'll give me a license? Okay. But, yeah, we might be able to get that to catch on out in L.A. and make it a thing, certainly. Yeah. Um, Did we see the Stafford and Cooper Cup numbers there? Kristen, I didn't. It's unbelievable. um, They just continue to hook up. They they scheme for it. You you were in the weeds with Under Armour on the Peacock show pointing out how they get the ball to – Cooper Cup and they they get it in his hands. They obviously see him as an elite playmaker, and he's he's proven it so far this year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, first off, he's a phenomenal football player. He's bigger and faster than people realize. If you saw him in person, you go, "Damn, Cooper Cup's kind of big and rocked up." I didn't realize that. And then, yeah, he can do everything. So yeah, he can be the system guy that can like read the coverage, and you can depend on him to be on the same page as the quarterback. But if it's just man to man coverage, he just, he can beat his guy, plain and simple. You know, they got him matched on Jabril Peppers a few times early in the game where it's just like, he's, there's no way. Jabril Peppers can't cover him. That's not going to happen. Um, but they're, they're the most under-the-radar 5-1 and one football team, as we were talking about before. I mean, it's two quarters of not playing good against the Arizona Cardinals, and the rest of the year they've outplayed everybody they've been against, period, yeah. in almost every quarter of the game. And that's not like a bunch of, like, crappy teams either. It's been some solid competition. And once they get it going on the offensive side of the ball, uh, yeah, they, they just got too many weapons. They're too creative on the offensive side of the ball. And like you've always heard me say, McVay will stay patient with the run game too to not let you off the hook that way. And, you know, what was it? 3 nothing Giants, right? They stop the Rams. They get the ball. And they go down the field. And they're a little past midfield. And they go for a fourth and one. Okay, they're on, they're not on the they're on their own forty one, and I don't know. That's one where I love the way like Joe Judge. He's to me a pretty good game manager. But you're up three nothing. You're on your own forty one. 
you're not exactly the greatest show on turf on the offensive side of the football sure. on football. That would be one where I'd go, I don't know about that. Let's just punt the ball and put the Rams back in their own territory. Maybe he knew he was going to have to score 40 points to win this game. (laughs) Maybe he did, and it worked out there. They ended up punting the ball away. Um, So that didn't matter. My point there, I guess, is what I was saying. I was confused with my drives here. So it didn't even matter. It did not even matter. Joe Judge is like, see? To I, see, I told you, Chris, you're right. So Chris was wrong. I'm <laughs> self scouting myself on the on the go here. With it midpoint, but, you just self scouted yourself. But but after that, it was like over. It yes. really was. It was big passes to Cooper Cup. They had Higby going. Um, and let me read my notes here. What I, I had think the Rams else. are. I think the it's it's interesting. You say like the Rams are under the yeah. radar, and I I think you're right because. I, oh, we gave them so much love coming into the year. We talked mm. about how good they were going to be with Matt right. Stafford. It's like we're already. We're already over that. It's like not surprising, like the Arizona Cardinals or anything else. It's kind of like, yep, this is what we thought they'd be, and they're dominant. I I didn't even think they would be this good this early. Really? I did not. I'm surprised with how well the offense has just taken off. And, yeah, I'm flustered because I messed up my little flow of the game there either way. Um, Pete will edit that out. No, I don't care. If you're hearing this right now, Pete did not edit that out. And, I don't. I don't care. I, I can't. You. I can't. No, keep I'm tra- just kidding. Don't don't edit that. Um, but w- keep the, it but my point is to we got to show that Chris is fallible. Off, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. I am fallible. I can't keep track of every game and every a- aspect of the game always. But <laughs> so, but you get seven nothing, and where they're they're crazy too is you know then they have a strip sack fumble. Daniel Jones has a horrible interception. And you just can't do that against the Rams. I mean, you're down in the right. red area there. I mean, what what do they get? A four play twelve yard or four four play twelve yard drive for a touchdown, and then a four play fourteen yard drive for a touchdown. You're up twenty one to three. That's like that's night night against that team because now they know you got to throw the ball, and that's the way they want to play. Oh, Floyd and Donald get the pass rush and go crazy that way, and there's just no pressure on the offense, and they can let it loose. And they took advantage of all after that. So blowout there, Rams beat the Giants. A blowout by worst a, play of the Giants by I mean worst game of the year by the Giants. That was for bad. sure. That offense was, bad. was horrible. Everything was bad. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh, Texans were not much better than the Giants. Maybe they were worse. They lose to the Colts. 31-3, to your headline on this game, Chris. Oh, Taylor made. Oh, okay, S- Taylor made. Yes. My S- man, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. SD Davidson three says, "Can I get a damn okay for Jonathan Taylor?" No, you cannot. But we'll give him a Hyundai headline. We'll give him a Hyundai headline. Uh, if you're uh, also, if he keeps running this way, would yeah. you consider the Colts the team to beat in the AFC South? Now, yeah, they're getting close to that. I mean, they're they're. I will say this with the Colts, like they are clearly a two and four football team, the best two and four football team in the league. That's what I'll tell you for sure. Um, and mm. you know, should be three and three. Blew that damn game last week against uh, the Baltimore Ravens, where they outplayed them. They did, but cr- credit to the Ravens uh, for pulling it out. I, I mean, the the big thing is, hey, the way they are running the football, Jonathan Taylor is special. I mean, he really is, as you see. I mean, he can break some huge plays. He can run with some pretty good power, you know, in between the box too. But that was like the theme of the day was just big plays in general. The game started off by 
not Jonathan Taylor running the ball all that well. It started off by, let's give the guy some credit, Carson Wentz. I mean, the big little post, he threw a big post corner for a 51-yard touchdown pass against Paris Campbell. He had another big pass down the middle to T.Y. Hilton early on. I mean, that was the thing to me that jumped out more than anything. Yeah, A beautiful touchdown pass on a corner route to Mo Alley-Cox to give them a 17-3 lead off of, uh, I, I believe it was a Texans turnover, Davis Mills interception at that point. So, yes, the Colts are a team like you would go, of all the teams who are below 500, who are you looking at to say the most dangerous? Mm. Defense is top 10-ish. Mm-hmm. All right. Offense, not even fully healthy on the offensive line. I'd say watch out. And if they can keep Paris Hilton or T.Y. Hilton Paris healthy. Campbell. Paris Campbell. Paris Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> if they can keep either one of those guys. they can get her guys, to show up to some games, get that crowd pumped up. Yes. If they could do that, they um, it changes their football team. Yeah. Uh, because they are a deep threat that can kind of stretch out, stretch out a defense to a degree. Yeah, that's that's a couple of key, big errors by you getting the Giants. Um, Damn, you the, know what? The field and then throwing Paris Hilton into a discussion here. Uh, Paris, a, I'm, you're I'm, falling I'm, apart. No, you're no, late. It was I'm, working I'm, too late. So on far, if I'm self scouting myself, I'm yeah. disappointed in my Browns Cardinals breakdown. Oh, geez. okay, all right, all right. Well, let's and I'm disappointed. I'm yeah. disappointed in my. I just don't like how I articulated it. And yes, I lost my. See, I got notes here from the game, and I don't know why I didn't follow them because I have written down that they didn't score after that fourth and one. Should have crossed it out then, and then it's it's okay. Hey, Pete says come back Wednesday. You know, brush be, this one I off. Will. Come back Wednesday with some ammunition. I'm looking at all the teams under 500 because you said that they're the best two and four team. Let's see if they're the best under. 500 team because you do have the 49ers who are two and three mm-hmm. i'm taking so, them over them right now over seattle it, yeah definitely over atlanta yeah over detroit yeah over the giants over philadelphia yeah over washington yep over jacksonville houston yeah i'm definitely taking them over the pats too over the Patriots, yeah. Jets, and Dolphins. No, I mean, to me, it's them they're and the, the 49ers are the two teams that I look at that are like under, the, 500. under 500, and they're playing each other this week. So there you go. Football. We'll get to decide it who's the best under 500 team They, they team match up well with them, too. I mean, that, that's going to be an interesting matchup. That's going to be a huge game for both teams. Last game to talk about, yep. one over in London, the Jaguars. They finally got a win. Break their losing streak, beating the Dolphins 23-20. to Get right. Over the pond. Okay. You sound like you're from London. Hello. Hello, Governor. Matthew Wright, the first kicker in NFL history to make multiple field goals of 50-plus yards in the last four minutes of fourth quarter in a single game. And coming into the game, Jaguars had not made a single field goal. Then they made two 50-plus yarders there in the final minutes to win the game against the Dolphins. I don't know what's a bigger story here. Jacksonville finally getting a win. Trevor Lawrence's first win as a quarterback in the NFL, or the fall of the Miami Dolphins here. Yeah, I mean that is we're talking about a team that people thought were knocking on the door of the playoffs. They're one in five, just lost to Jacksonville. No doubt. I mean, listen to me. The story of the game is really the first half of the football game where the Dolphins absolutely dominated the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, dominated, and they went in thirteen to ten. Thirteen to ten. I mean, they just they blew so many opportunities, you know, to you know score points, kind of put Jacksonville away, put them in a bad spot, and they let them hang around. As we know in the NFL, we see this all the time. Like you just let a team hang around, you know, you're, it, it gets dicey after that. It does. 
Uh, Tua, I thought, played well for the most part on that side of the ball. I mean, he really did. I know he had a really bad interception, definitely, but I thought he energized their offense, and as good as their offense has looked in the last few weeks. They put the game on his left arm, 47 attempts in his first game back. They, they, they have to. They have no run game to speak of. They don't. They needed it at the end of the well, game. Well, that's Patrick. where I was a little surprised they even did it, just the fact that like oh. you've not really done anything all day running the football. Um, uh, but... But I, I, you know, again, desperate teams do desperate things. I guess. I mean, if they, I mean, Jacksonville has not had a good run defense up to this point, so that's a even worse for Miami. No, but Miami's offense is the downfall of their football team. You know, again, you've heard me say, I think a few times this year already, the defense is not all that bad. It's just they're putting a lot of tough positions all the time. But Jacksonville had nothing going early on in the football game, and finally figures out again. It's NFL football. You know, as the game goes along and they realize how they're getting attacked, they start to realize what they want to do to to answer to that attack, and they kind of found their rhythm and made a few plays and pulled off a football game that really they were outplayed but won the football game. Yeah, they made mistakes. Yeah, they made mistakes. Uh, 62 on the nose says, hi, Chris. I was at the Wanker Bowl yesterday. I didn't know the (laughs) Wanker Bowl. Uh, Hard to believe the Jags got a result, but well done. Does this break the curse? Has it saved Urban Meyer. What do you think they where do they go from here? I don't know if it's saved Urban Meyer. It's great that they got the win <laughs> yeah. and and I think that's like from what I hear from people in the NFL, I still think it's 50-50. I I do. I think he's Like does he finish the year with them? I I I still think he I don't know if he's going to finish the week from anybody you listen to in the know. It's it's not 100% that way. You know, I think there was some real, you know, discomfort by ownership and the fact that how that went down after that Thursday night game against Cincinnati. And the other, the, the only, the biggest thing you'll hear is that he lied to ownership. He lied to them. That's the biggest thing. Right. And that's where his story didn't match up with the events and everything. And they, I don't know, somehow, some way know that he didn't tell the truth there. Mm. And that's never going to go over well when you lie to your bosses, as we know. Like he didn't tell them that he was going to a bar to. Uh, uh, I guess there was a certain some, certain aspects of that story that yes did not match up, and that's that's where uh, it did hurt them. No I, I did think it was interesting that when in the video that we saw, you showed it on your Peacock show at the end of the after the game was over, they gave the game ball to Trevor Lawrence. It wasn't Urban Meyer. Uh, he wasn't anywhere to be seen. Yeah. It was Marvin Jones right. that was given the speech and given the ball to Trevor I, Lawrence. I, I thought that was weird, curious. too. I'm with you. I didn't even see Urban Meyer anywhere to, uh, at, at all there. You know, and, you know, like, still some blunders. Like, uh, Jags up 17-13. Fourth and two on the seven-yard line. Kick the fucking field goal and go up a touchdown. Yeah, that was Go strange. up 20-13. to 13. Yes. What are you doing? Right. That, to me, made no sense at that moment of the football game. And then guess what happened? The Dolphins drove down for a 91-yard touchdown, and we're up by three. Yeah. You know, that, uh, just, that's not knowing who you are. And I don't, I just, I don't understand. I don't, listen, I guess I'm old school still. I'm not always like, let's go for the jugular right now. You know, there's a little too much of that that goes on in the NFL. I understand, and I'm sure the numbers say that to a degree. But I, I don't know. The numbers for Jacksonville got to be different than some of the better teams in football. And if I'm him in that moment, uh, yeah, I certainly play that a different way. But either way, it worked out. And thank God it did because of our, our, our kicker, Matthew Wright. And Trevor Lawrence's awesome play call at the end of the football game, instead of throwing the Hail Mary with six seconds left, they throw that quick inside slant and still have one second left, get six, seven yards there, and get to – kick a field goal to me that was like maybe the play of the day in the NFL the the fact that that how that shook out
Jacksonville finally won. Have not won in America, though, in a quite some time. No, and they that have is, not. give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. And now, final minutes of the show. We have a quick update in the Ahmed Farid, Trevor Lawrence, no wait, Spencer Rattler, no wait, Sam Howell, no wait, uh. Matt Coral, no wait, something Thibodeau, power rankings. <laughs> yes. We don't know who's going to be the first pick. No, There's not a clear cut first pick Definitely guy. Not. Doesn't look like a great quarterback Definitely so not. far. Maybe that'll change. We'll see. Uh, but who's in a good good spot to get the get the number one pick? Number five team for me is going to be the Miami Dolphins. They're they're charging hard. They're charging hard. They're making a play for a top pick, which they've had a few top picks here lately with some trades they've made. Um, hasn't helped them up to this point, so they're I, number five. I me. would not be shocked if they abort mission here on this season at some point just to interrupt your thing. Sure. And now now you have nothing to lose by making the trade for Deshaun Watson or doing something of yes. that nature. And we know they want them. Uh, I just wonder now that they're one and five, they might look at it and go, you know what, doesn't look like we're going to make the playoffs. Let's start thinking about the future. Uh, be interesting to see as we go forward. Well, and Pete notes that they don't even own their pick as of right now. The Eagles own their first-round pick. Right, so. but they have the 49ers pick. And, so and then they have they have the yeah. 49ers pick, and then they have, I think, two first-round picks in next year's draft. And so who knows? Maybe they could trade someone to the Eagles have, for their pick back. They still have, <laughs> yeah, they still have three first-round picks, I believe, in the next two years. Number four for me is Houston. Showed some good promise last week with a complete clunker. So they're fourth. Um, Jets are third yep. right now, third most likely to get the well, number one pick in they my would love eyes. To get a Thibodeau from Oregon. That would be perfect for Short their defensive scheme. The right? defensive side. Yeah. Number two of the Giants, they showed a lot. They showed a lot. Rams, you know, it's a tough contest, but mm-hmm. the way that they didn't even show up shows a lot of promise for them getting the number one pick. But my number one team is my Detroit Lions oh. right now. This is why. Because Home is where the heart is. They've weathered the storm yeah. up to this point. Yeah. There were some near wins. Yeah. They've they've averted disaster. Yeah. They did not win any of those games, no. luckily. Right. So now they're in a position. I looked at their schedule coming up. I was like, I don't like I honestly could see them becoming the first team in NFL history to lose all seventeen regular season games. I hope not. Um I hope not, too, but I've seen this before with the Lions. Yeah. I've seen this before where it's like early on in the season, it's like, wow, they're, they're kind they're of They're competitive in and they're playing tough. And then you lose your will to compete. Exactly right. And I think that's what might happen. I'm with you there. You know, Rams and Eagles next few weeks. Listen, they can maybe beat the Eagles. Okay. They can. It would have, it's going to be ugly. But as you saw from the Eagles, they're offensively challenged in a lot of ways. They are. So that's going to be interesting to see. They got the Bears. November 25th, Thanksgiving yeah. weekend. You know, it's, it, those are the teams you got to look at. Teams where that are not overwhelmingly good on offense to maybe where we can win a, you know, a 20 to 17 right. type game. Because I don't think your first win is going to be like in a 35 31 shootout or anything like that. I think it's going to have to be that way. Eagles, Bears, they look like that. Falcons, maybe, you know, maybe they can catch them. Uh, but yes, it's, I'm a little worried about your Detroit Lions. 2008, the Lions were the first team to go 0-16. Lost to the Vikings on a last-second field goal in Week 5. Yeah. Lost to the Vikings right. on a last-second field goal this year as well. So, uh, you know, maybe. Hey, maybe it's in the stars for them. Who knows? Maybe they'll get a win and ruin everything, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, so Lions number one right now. Before we go, Monday night, Buffalo, Titans. How badly do you have the Bills beating Tennessee today? Uh, I mean, convincingly, I know that. And not that my picks were 100% this week. But, yeah, I worry about the Titans' defense. I went Bills 34-24. That was my pick. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I – the Titans, of course, it's – 
we know it's a run-first offense. It's more run-game-centric than it has been in years past. They're not as good in the past game. And I know A.J. Brown and Julio have not been 100%. So I, I just I don't know what to expect from that aspect of their offense yet, yeah. especially the way the Bills' defense is playing. And the Titans just they give up too many big plays on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, you know, of course, Buffalo's dangerous with Josh Allen, and that's where I just think it's going to be a little scary tonight for the Tennessee Titans. I do expect the Buffalo Bills to win this football game. All right, so that's Monday. That's tonight. Maybe you're watching it as you listen to this podcast. Um, Chris, we're done. We're done. You know, I think overall, on balance, a good podcast. You gave good information. Don't let that Giants breakdown bug you. You know what? I get overwhelmed with – I honestly get – too in the freaking weeds at times and i worry about presented by under armor. presented by under armor and i gotta like just go like let's go with general themes of the game and not try to yeah. get so much into the nitty-gritty because you're not going to remember what happened it's in a balance games. people like that i mean the nitty-gritty is good right because right? you don't get that hopefully everywhere. my flubs weren't bad flubs like they didn't take away from the big aspect right. of the game just maybe some things messed up there so if you've made it to this part of the podcast Give Chris a tweet at Great C Sims QB. No, if they've made it here, that means that they it wasn't bad enough. It wasn't bad enough to stop <laughs> okay. listening. All so right. if you've made it this far, give Chris a good uh, complimentary tweet. Thank you. Tell him to keep his chin up. It was yeah. a good pod. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you the man, if you, get, if you get no tweets, that's a problem. No, so hey, we'll it's see. a big problem. Uh, we, you know what I'm going to be doing the rest of the day. Tomorrow, I'm going to be watching film. Any plays, certain aspects of games you want me to break down. Uh, would love to do that, of course. That's what we're going to do for the what the, hap- what the Fuck Happened Wednesday podcast. Are you here Wednesday, or is that a Polly B That's special? Polly Paul. B? All right. Polly B. I'll miss you nonetheless. Okay. Fellow 300 soldier. 300. Okay. You the man. We Amen. are Sparta. Check us out on Wednesday. Thank you, Under Armour, for sponsoring the podcast. Peace out. We'll see you Wednesday. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.